Weinstein, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, broadcasting on the GAL Network all the way from South Texas. Stay tuned. We have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we need a hero. I tell you what, you know, the Republican Party is in such disarray. It is It is so messed up. It's so screwed up. You've got the leadership of the Republican Party ran by that bonehead, Boehner, and the guy up in the Senate, McConnell. They're both progressives. The, all their lapdogs and all their bootlickers are all progressives. The Republican Party conservative side couldn't even get 29 people together in the House of Representatives to vote against Boehner. That is sad. That is sad as it can be. And we have this man who is the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, who has done everything possible to undermine the Tea Party movement, undermine the conservative movement. He has taken people and punished them because they voted against him. And here he is, still sitting, re-elected the Speaker of the House and the leader of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. Sad. It's absolutely pathetic. And we have the so-called Tea Party. It is ripped apart. There are so many factions of the Tea Party floating around out there, no national leadership, nobody standing up in front of the television explaining what conservatism and the conservative movement within the Republican Party is all about. And we got killed. We got wiped out today on the House of Representatives floor when Boehner ran roughshod over so-called conservatives. Trey Gowdy, he wasn't even there to vote. He said, oh, I would have voted if I was there. That's an easy way out. That's an easy way out. How convenient. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, like I set up on Facebook here a while back, well, today actually, I'm fed up with the Tea Party. I'm fed up with all these damn conservative, so-called conservative House of Representative folks that all say they're conservative, they're for the conservative cause, and they couldn't even get 29 votes to challenge Boehner, a progressive, another name for communist. And here we sit, as conservatives, as true conservatives, not sunshine conservatives, not those conservatives that lick their finger and stick their finger up into the political wind to see which way it's blowing. I'm talking about us conservatives that stick with our conservative values Thick and thin. We stay with it. We support those in the House of Representatives and the Senate who have our moral background, who stand for conservative values, who stand for a small government, who stand for the Constitution, who stand for the security of the United States, our military. We stand with those folks. You know it's not even vogue today in the House of Representatives or in Congress to even talk about the Constitution and operating from within the confines of what the Constitution says. People today, Boehner and all of them, they throw the Constitution under the bus. They could care less about the Constitution of the United States of America. And like I said, conservatives took it in the shorts today. Real conservatives, not the people who say they're conservative. I mean the people who practice it. You know, I was up on Facebook today and I was looking around at all these so-called conservative Facebook pages and everybody was up there. One of the most important things going down between now and the 2016 elections was this thing today going on on the floor of the House of Representatives trying to throw Boehner out of the position as Speaker of the House because he's because he has sold out the conservative movement. He sold out the American people. Over 60-plus percent of the American people wanted him gone. And the Republican Party couldn't even put together a coalition to do it. And I was up there today on Facebook, and people were posting stuff about Gotti and uh, Cruz and uh, Muslims. And one of the most important things, like I said, between now and 2016, they didn't have a clue 
It was passe to them. American people are a bunch of dolts. They really are. I hate to say it. The majority of people in the United States of America aren't clued in. They're clued into the wrong things. They have no understanding, no idea of civics, how their government works. And a lot of them could give a damn. Could give a rat's behind. You know, John Boehner, he's got this vote of confidence now and he's going to run it his way. He's going to side with Obama, his uh, bedfellow. You know, like I said on Facebook, Obama and uh, Boehner, they're friends. They sleep together. And they both screw the American people. That's the way it is. That's the way the whole leadership is. They're well-versed, the Republicans are. The ones in leadership positions are well-versed on how to blow the right smoke up America's kazoo. They really are well-versed on how to do this. And we people that understand what's going down, we people that stand back and look at the whole situation and shake our heads, we, we just don't understand where American people are today. We don't understand where their heads are. We don't understand where their moral values are. We don't even understand what they stand for anymore. Most of them have no freaking idea what they stand for. Hell, most of them couldn't describe the government, couldn't tell you the three different parts of the government. They they couldn't tell you a damn thing about the government. They're all tied up. They're video games, beer, playoff games, chasing uh, uh, videos, uh, reality shows, the whole nine yards. The government and what's going down in their country, how it impacts their families, their their constitution, uh, the whole security of the country and and their children, they could care a rat's ass about. They could care less. And I dare say that what I'm saying now could be transmitted or, or a blanket thrown over what I'm saying now could be thrown over Europe as well. But Europe is waking up. Europe is waking up to how their governments are screwing them. How their governments are leading them into unknown waters. How their government is siding with everyone but the citizens of their respective countries. Europeans are waking up to it. Americans are still asleep. They've been asleep for decades. Sorry mess. A sorry mess today on the House of Representatives floor in Congress. A sorry freaking mess. Oh yeah, there'll be commentary, just like I'm doing right now. There'll be commentary from all the talking heads. Well, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got we to go over here and we got to kiss some butt, we got to do this and do that. And nobody comes up with any legitimate answers. Here's a legitimate answer for Gary Gatehouse. Here's my answer. All those individuals that are in the Tea Party, that are in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, who say they are uh, dyed-in-the-wool conservatives and stand shoulder-to-shoulder with the Tea Party movement, but yet vote against it on the congressional floor today, disavow them. Don't support them anymore. As they do in the Catholic Church, excommunicate them. They're not true conservatives. They are just going through the motions. They are just checking the boxes. They're liars. They're connivers. They're song and dance men. They'll say anything, do anything, just to get their butt reelected. And what's wrong with all that? The American people say, I'm going to reelect this guy because he's a true conservative and he knows what he's doing. They reelect him, he goes to Congress, he votes against the same constituents, they put him in there, and 20 minutes after he does it and they start bitching about it, the constituents do, two to three days later, why, they forget all about it. These people up in Congress know the attention span, uh, a time or span of the American people is less than a minute, probably a couple of nanoseconds. The attention span of the American people is pathetic. Their brain is so full of crap and so full of reality shows and all this immoral crap. They don't. They can't find. They don't know which ends up. They couldn't find their ass with both hands. Now I'm. A, I tell you what. I'm. A, I went up there today on Facebook and I disavowed myself from a lot of the Tea Party groups that I joined and supported with my radio show, commentary, posting, etc. I disavowed, I took myself, I withdrew from them. 
because they are nothing but a bunch of people that go up there and post and do whatever they do to see just how many people they can get to react to what they say or do, how many friends they can attract, etc. It's bogus, it's bullshit, and I'm through with it. I'm freaking through with it. This is Gary Gatehouse of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday to... Vi- uh, excuse me, folks. Excuse me. This is the Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Wednesday. January, what the hell is it? January what here? I you know my, my damn calendar. My head is so twisted and turned right now that I just don't care. January 7th, 2015. The Gary Gatehouse Show, kicking off a new year the wrong way, I guess. Oh, and another thing before we go to the Fox News. On another social media outlet, I posted some things the other day about Muslims, about the white race, which I'm part of. I'm a Caucasian. And I knew and I predicted that before the day or the, or the week was over, I would be asked or told or accused of being a racist. Well, it's happened. I don't care. I don't care what individual thinks about me. If they have the gall to call me a racist, I have to go right back to them and ask them the same question. How do you know you're not a racist? Can you prove you're not? Can you prove without a doubt that you're not a racist? I want to see it. I want to see the evidence. You know, ladies and gentlemen, today, in today's age, if you speak out against a group of people, a cadre of people, or whatever, a movement, a political movement, a political party, and it rubs the wrong way with certain people, the first thing they do is call you a racist or a bigot. Well, that uh, word has wore itself out. It don't have have the impact that it used to have five or ten years ago. It's gone. It's finished. So you can call me a racist all you want. And I don't care. This is Gary Gatehouse. And we'll be back after the Fox 5-Minute News. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. This is an active crime scene, and the shooting incident is under investigation. That is Fort Bliss, Texas, where a man with a gun opened fire at the El Paso VA clinic. One man is dead. The gunman is also dead. The next steps for us, in addition to the uh, the witness interviews, is to now process the crime scene. That is the FBI's Douglas Lindquist. This will take some time. These, uh, these incidents uh, uh, typically involve uh, first clearing and making sure that the environment is safe. There is much we don't know about the shooting. At that late-night news conference, they took no questions. No word on whether the gunman killed himself or was killed by someone else. No details on the victim, no details on the gunman, and no motive. North Texas has been rattled by four earthquakes, small ones, no damage reported. The epicenter of all four quakes is northeast Irving, a suburb of Dallas. The biggest quake, 3.6. There's been a swarm of tremors near the Trinity River region in recent months. First it snowed, then it got ice box cold, not only up north, but east and south. It's below freezing in Mississippi today, even in the part down by the Gulf of Mexico, and that means emergency officials ordered people to stay warm. Many homes, though, have no heat, and the pipes could freeze up, says Greg Flynn with Mississippi Emergency Management. They're going to have to be wrapped. We're telling people to make sure the pipes on the outside where you hook up your hoses are covered and even insulating pipes on the inside of your house leaving them drip cold weather shelters have also been open fox radio's evan brown stocks falling again with the s&p 500 marking its longest losing streak in more than a year it's the worst start to a year since the financial crisis of 2008 headed down because of the slide in crude oil prices that has raised investor worries about global economic growth the dow jones industrials down 130 the s&p 500 falling 17 the nasdaq losing 59 you're listening to fox news radio fair and balanced Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. 
I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Take me out to the ball game, and if you won't, at least take me to Cooperstown. Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, and Craig Biggio will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this summer, each getting at least 75% of the vote from the Baseball Writers Association of America. Those first three, pitchers elected in their first year of eligibility, Johnson won five Cy Young Awards with Seattle and Arizona. Martinez won three with Montreal and Boston. Smoltz, a star starting pitcher and reliever for Atlanta. BGO had 3,060 hits for the Houston Astros. The first time in 60 years, four players have been voted in. Chris Foster, Fox News Radio. You won't get French fries with that at Venezuela. McDonald's in Venezuela no longer has fries, the latest casualty of labor trouble on the docks in California. The Federal Mediation Service says they'll try to help. Things have gotten way more tense between shippers and employers and the longshore workers at the 29 West Coast ports. John O'Connell is international trade advisor to Beacon Economics. It's not a major economic consequence if I can't find a jar of Dijon mustard at Trader Joe's. But at some point, this could elevate to a more consequential issue. If there's a lockout or a walkout, they're fighting over things like safety conditions and wages, but in the past year, longshore workers have been accused of slowing down their work efforts on purpose. They say they're not, that port congestion is because of mismanagement. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News Radio. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the time capsule and Paul Revere. They have now opened that time capsule, found last month in a cornerstone of the Massachusetts State House. And once inside that brass box, about the size of a cigar box, are 24 coins, one dating back to 1655. A copper medal depicting George Washington, a silver plate made by Paul Revere marking the day the capsule was placed, a paper seal of the Commonwealth and the front pages of five folded newspapers. The trove is not in perfect condition. Bill Vitka, Fox News Radio. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. I'm Marie Osmond. Choices. Some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. Well, here it is, Wednesday, and it's hump day. Hump day in America, hump day in Europe. I hope you're all having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. You know, I have so much stuff stacked here on my desk to talk about that I don't ever seem to get down to the bottom of the stack. Uh, One of the guys that works for me, he comes in every day before the show and puts new stuff on top of the stack. Then he'll separate it. And he'll say, Gary, this is what you should have talked about last week. This is what we're talking about now. And I say, my God, all this last week? And he says, yeah, you get all carried away. You start talking off the cuff and you don't even talk about what's going on uh, from the news standpoint. And I said, well, you know, I would rather freelance. I would rather wing everything. I don't like a written script. Now you just highlight what's, what news is going down and I'll take it from there. I'll do my own research. But I guess he didn't hear me because 
Here's a huge stack of stuff. You could choke a camel with it. It's so tall and so wide and so big. And I'm not going to get to any of it. I'll be honest with you. It'll be there and another stack will be somewhere else on my... Here's a stack over here. I mean, it's... It's everywhere. News of yesteryear, news of whatever. But the news that I like to get across to the American people, to the people in Europe is... The truth is out there for us all to hear, see, digest, roam it around in our heads, put together a analysis of what that news is, what's going down in your country, my country, the world. We have the gray matter to put it all together, analyze it, and come up with a conservative, with a formative opinion. Not something that somebody wrote for us, somebody dictated to us. No, we can do our own analysis. We don't need some talking head on television, on Fox News, whatever. Martha McCallum, God, I can't stand that woman. Up there telling us, now this is what he really said. This is what he really means. This is what he's going to do. Will you just show me the news and let me take it from there? I don't need your opinions based on your ideology or the way you were taught in college or whatever. I don't need any of that. It's all hyperbole. It's all a bunch of crap. But that's the way the news is today, isn't it? Now you've got Gary Gatehouse sitting here in front of his big-time expensive microphone and his 4,000 computers and screens here in his great, big, huge, luxurious penthouse studio with... uh, you know, models laying all around and uh, beer and, and donuts and all kinds of stuff. Nah, I'm in a little bitty room and it's a, a probably a 500 square feet, maybe 600 square feet. That's my studio. I got a beautiful, huge picture window that I can look out over my, my yard, uh, yard and my uh, acreage and see all kinds of beautiful things at any time during the day. Deer, roadrunners, you name it, they're out there. And I can look out on God's big, beautiful world, and it has a hell of an influence on me as an American, as a human being. God's creation. He created us in His own image and likeness. And God knows from the time we take our first breath until the time we take our last breath, what is going down in between those two breaths. It's how we live our lives. How we come about as far as a human being go, as an adult and as an adolescent, how we carry ourselves, how we conduct our business, how morally we are, how we raise our kids, etc., etc. That's all about, that that's life. But there's a lot of things during all of that growth aging process, maturity process. There's a lot of things out there that are bouncing off of you from all angles that are trying to influence you, the way you think, the way you perceive politics, daily life, other human beings, etc. And it impacts on you. You know damn well it does. Some are more influential than others. Hopefully your parents who raised you, raised you as a good moral person, they're the most influential of all people in your life. They damn sure were mine. My mother and father raised me in an environment that was built on trust, built on honor, built on respect, and I still have it today. But I get all kinds of things coming at me left and right because I am on the radio I have all kinds of different people calling me names, calling me this, calling me that. And some of them, I don't care. They can call me whatever they want. It doesn't hurt. You know the old saying here in America, sticks and stones may break break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the way I feel. So all you folks that wrote me these emails that I've gotten, oh God, I dump my email box at least twice a day. And a lot of you, most of you, are in the positive. But there's some, depending on what show I do, that come across as negative. Call me all kinds of names. And I figure when that happens, I am making them at least listen. They are at least 
analyzing what I'm saying. And even though they come out on the negative side, they at least know where Gary Gatehouse and the Gary Gatehouse radio show is coming from. And to me, that is good. But you know, Patriots, when we come back from the break, I'm going to be covering something that's unique to America right now. It's in its budding stages. It is being launched by academia in our colleges and and high schools. And in some socialist, Marxist, communist, progressive, liberal, Democrat circles, if you will. It is being used as a platform to launch other things, I'm sure. And one of the tags that's hanging on to this new whatever you want to call it, attack on we, the people of America, one of the things that's hanging off the edges of it or surrounding this platform is a, is a word that the Democrats and the socialists of the world and the communists of the world, I don't care where you live, Sweden, United Kingdom, wherever, all you folks that are in that vein, it's one of the words that you enjoy using to try to shut conservatives up when they speak out on certain issues. And that word would be racism. Because you see, racism is part of the whole spear of political correctness. And we all know that political correctness has all of our countries by the throat. But we all know, also know by observation, especially Gary Gatehouse looking from afar, looking from across the ocean, across the Atlantic, into Europe, into Sweden, into the United Kingdom, into Germany, etc. I know that the chokehold of political correctness on those countries is starting to loosen up. People are starting to come around. People are starting to understand that political correctness is a tool of the left to shut the truth down, to shut you down whenever you want to speak out. Now, here in America, we have the First Amendment, freedom of speech, part of the Constitution, part of our freedom that we protect every day and have since day one, since the Revolution. Freedom of speech, right to assemble, freedom to speak your mind. But there is a movement in this country called white privilege. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it. You're listening to Restoration Radio United Kingdom. And when we come back, Gary's going to be talking about white privilege. Stand by. alone. Whenever you need help, there's always somewhere to turn. Kids Help Phone is a safe, confidential place you can call anytime, anywhere, no matter what the problem is. Call Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 or online at kidshelpphone.ca. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back live at the National Butt Out Finals. AJ Langer is all fired up, and there he goes. It's out! He put his butt out in 2.6 seconds! Lori is with AJ. Lori? AJ, how did you get your butt out so quick? Well, I learned the hard way. I burnt the house down. If you smoke, put it out. All the way. Every time. Smoking is the number one cause of preventable home fire deaths. Check out usfa.dhs.gov smoking. A message from the U.S. Fire Administration and firefighters everywhere. Before we went to break, I told you he was going to be talking about white privilege. White privilege is, like I said before the break, a tool that the left is introducing in our country here in America. And they're using that tool. And by the way, they're introducing it via our public school systems, via our high schools, via our colleges and universities. Like I said in many of my shows, if you want to undermine a country, its morals, its way of thinking, its uh, ideas on what the country should be, etc., you introduce your ideology through the school system. 
what better place to do it? You've got a captive audience. You've got all these kids that have, as Rush Limbaugh said, minds full of mush that are very influential, and you're the authority figure, and you could stand up here and dictate to them day after day, Monday through Friday, what your thoughts are on whatever subject, and they will accept that as gospel. Patriots, all you folks in Europe, and all you Americans, what I'm going to be covering today is directed at white folks of Europe and America. I'm going to be discussing what the communist left and the academia in America calls white privilege. The stipulation being that the white race is the privilege race of the world, worldwide. And specifically, if you narrow it down even further, white males are the cause of racism, domination of women, you name it. So let's have a look at white privilege. And to do that, we have to go, go no further as an example of just how the world thinks white privilege, uh, everybody that is white has the privilege of running the show. You have to go no further than South Africa. Look at the privileges that Afrikaners have in South Africa. They have the privilege of living in squalor. By the way, Afrikaners are white folks in a minority in South Africa. They have the privilege of living in squalor. They have the privilege of being raped, beaten, their property taken away from them, the denial of jobs. That's white privilege. They've got it all. They're living the big life. But I tell you, any Afrikaner would tell you, that white privilege, as we are trying to understand it from the left's perspective, doesn't exist in any way, shape, or form in South Africa. It doesn't exist. It's the absolute opposite. These people are being murdered in their beds. But the media, the worldwide media, says nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about it. Just what is white privilege? White privilege or white skin privilege is a term for societal privileges that benefit white people in Western countries beyond what is commonly experienced by the non-white people under the same social, political, or economic circumstances. Now this is all coming from the left, ladies and gentlemen. It's not coming from Gary Gatehouse. I am just putting it out there for your own analysis. They go on to say white privileges, these privileges are unearned and are handed out based on values of the dominant group. In other words, you folks in Europe, you folks in America that are white, you don't earn a damn thing. You just get it because you're white. You don't have to go out and skin your knuckles. You don't have to go out and work your ass off. You don't have to do anything because you're white. It's given to you automatically. Whites in a societal considered cultural, a part of the Western world, enjoy advantages that non-whites do not experience. Let me ask all you folks in Europe something. Now looking at it, your countries, I've lived there, I've been there, from a perspective of your culture, from a perspective of your history, which goes back century after century after century, thousands of years. Who in the hell lived in Sweden that wasn't white until they started pouring into your country? Who in the hell lived in Great Britain for the most part that wasn't white until they started pouring into your country, Germany, etc.? Who did? Nobody. It was white people. White Europeans formed and founded and based those countries on their cultures, their ideas, their moral upbringings. White people. But the left would want you to think that you should be ashamed of yourself as a white person because you have all the privileges of living in those countries. You built them. You put them together. Your forefathers busted their buns to put your countries together. They fought wars to protect them. But you don't have that right. 
you're you're white and you should give it away. You should be ashamed of yourself for even thinking what I'm saying. And this leads to the controversy over whether or not white people should be able to enjoy these privileges. That the left says. They dictate what these privileges are. They lay them out. Nobody else. The left. The politically correct. The people who like to use the term racist at every drop of the hat. The term donates or denotes both obvious and less obvious passive advantages that white persons may not recognize they have, which distinguishes it from overt bias or prejudice. Oh, I've got to sit around and think about what privileges I have that some uh, black guy or some uh, Mexican or some brown guy or some Asian don't have. Well, let me think. Here in America, let me think. Well, let me see. Affirmative action. Okay, whites say, okay, we uh, we recognize that uh, you guys, the minorities, you need a leg up. You need to be helped. So we're going to do it. We're going to take a back seat, even though we're more qualified. We're going to take a back seat and give you the job, you the position, you the recognition, with lesser education, lesser knowledge, lesser uh, abilities, because we want to help you along. We white people are going to take it right between the eyes and sit in the back here and let you move forward. Is that a privilege that we practice? Is that a privilege of white people saying, well, I see what's wrong with you, uh, Mr. Black Man or Mr. Brown Man, and uh, we have the privilege, we have the white privilege of saying, we're going to stand back here and let you do this. Is that a privilege? But you know the concept of white privilege also implies the right to assume the universality of one's own experiences, marking others as different or exceptional while perceiving oneself as normal. Again, this is all left-wing gobbledygook. This is all pointed-head academia. This comes straight from academia. This is what is being taught in America today. You know, some critics argue that the term use, the concept of whiteness as a proxy for class or other social privilege or as a distraction from deeper underlying problems of inequity or inequality. Others agree or argue that it is not the whiteness, that whiteness is a proxy, but that many other social privileges are interconnected with it, requiring complex and careful analysis to identify whiteness contributions to privilege. Have you started rolling your boots up yet? The crap's getting pretty deep here. What does this all mean? This means that the notion of whiteness is not inclusive of all white people. Critics of white privilege also note that there is a problem with the interpretation of people of color. That is, it fails to acknowledge the diversity. There's a good liberal word. That it fails to acknowledge the diversity of liberal, of uh, diversity of people of color and ethnicity within these groups. Now, ladies and gentlemen, to show you how much white privilege really plays on some people's minds, a Missouri lawmaker hit for white privilege remarks on social media. Now, this Missouri lawmaker was a black female. A Missouri state senator who has made controversial comments on social media following the shooting death in Ferguson of Michael Brown, the gentle giant, an unarmed black man who was killed by a white police officer, is facing renewed criticism over her recent remark, apparently about white privilege. She said, State Senator Maria Chapiel Nadal apparently said on Twitter, Let me be clear. When you exercise your white privilege, don't think I'm not going to remember. I will use it for the future. Are you uncomfortable? Does that sound like a threat to you? Does this sound like a threat? 
Now, the tweet by Chapiel Nadal, a Democrat, drew sharp responses on Twitter, including suggestions that she was making racist comments that could hurt her political career. Some of the people who went back at her said things like, The voters, we the people, will remember you when it comes to voting for you. You just burnt your future. She did not, Shapiel Nadal did not respond to any of the comments made. Why would she? She knew people had her. She knew that she opened her mouth and inserted her foot. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, white privilege, like I said, is a tool and is being taught in our schools. And when I come back, we're going to cover some of the curriculum that is being used tied in with white privilege that is used to teach our children, our white children here in America. And by the way, it's coming to Europe. Teaching our white children here in America that they should be ashamed of themselves for white privilege. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Stand by. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and the author of more than 20 books, including No Higher Power, Obama's War on Religious Freedom, an important new book that exposes the undeniable campaign to secularize America by the Obama administration. And now, here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Forget saying a prayer. Students in one classroom in Tennessee are not even allowed to say, bless you. Kendra Turner, a senior at Dyer County High School, responded with bless you when a classmate sneezed. Kendra's teacher reprimanded her and told her she was not going to have godly speaking in her classroom. The teacher's ban on bless you is now an established rule. A sign hangs in the room with a list of forbidden words and phrases, including bless you. Most of the other words are insults or ungrammatical slang. Kendra asserted that she has a constitutional right, and her teacher responded, Not in my class you don't. She sent Kendra to the principal's office, where she was told that freedom of speech and religion do not work at school. Kendra spent the rest of the class period in school suspension. Once this incident hit the news, of course, the school told a different story. The administration claims this was not a religious issue. Kendra was only recommended because bless you was a distraction and because she called the words across the classroom. But that story does not jibe with the reports of other students. None of the excuses offered to Kendra by the teacher or the principal square with the Constitution, the law, or previous court cases. And I think they know this. I think they understand that Supreme Court rulings say that students' rights do not disappear at the schoolhouse door. I think they're well aware that a teacher cannot outlaw bless you or tell students they don't have constitutional rights in a classroom. They're just hoping students don't know that or are too intimidated to speak out. Students need to know their rights and ought to be prepared to stand up for them, even in the classroom. Seen one at a time, President Obama's attacks on religion are disturbing. But the book, No Higher Power, Obama's War on Religious Freedom, reveals a shocking four years of government-directed assault on every American who believes in God. No Higher Power by Phyllis Schlafly and George Neumeyer is available where quality books are sold. Or visit eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Getting back to the curriculum of white privilege, which is now being taught in our school systems. You know, and you asked the question, uh, we addressed it in the the last segment. What is white privilege? What is white privilege? As a means of making white people ashamed of their race. That's basically it. Now, there's a lady named Paula Rothenberg. And she wrote white privilege up as this. White privilege is the other side of racism. 
Unless we name it, we are in danger of wallowing in guilt of moral outrage with no idea of how to move beyond them. It is often easier to, to deplore racism and its effects than to take responsibility for the privilege some of us receive as a result of it. Once we understand how white privilege operates, we can begin addressing, addressing it on an individual and institutional basis. Institutional basis. Privilege exists when one group has something of value. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Then hearken back to what Joseph Stalin said, what Karl Marx said, what Lenin said. Listen to this. Privilege exists when one group has something of value that is denied to others simply because of the group they belong to rather than because of anything they've done or failed to do. Access to privilege doesn't determine one's outcomes, but it is definitely an asset that makes it more likely that whatever talent, ability, and aspirations a person with privilege has will result in something positive for them. Peggy McIntosh, another limp-wristed liberal, said that. And she went on to give some examples of privilege. Now, I'm sure when I go through these examples, you people that are listening on the left will say, yeah, she's right. She's right. It means, yeah, that's it. Examples of privileges are being able to assume that most of the people you and your children study in history classes and textbooks will be of the same race, gender, or sexual orientation as you are. Assume that your failures will not be attributed to your race or your gender. Assume that if you work hard and follow the rules, you will get what you deserve. Success without other people being surprised and without being held to a higher standard. Go out in public without fear of being harassed or constantly worried about physical safety. Not have to think about your race or your gender or your sexual orientation or your disabilities on a daily basis. That are examples of privilege based on the pea-brain, left-wing orientation of themselves and the way they look at the world. Example. Gary Gatehouse. Born in squalor. My mother and father had nothing. I was white. They were white. My brothers and sisters were white. My aunts and uncles were white. They were all blue-collar uh, workers. Some of them dug ditches. My father never held a job that wasn't above menial tasks. He had no education beyond the eighth grade. He fought in World War II. He fought for his right to even get a job when he came back. Was that because uh, the doors opened to him because he was white? There was no doors open to him. When I went to school, I didn't attribute it my failures because there was a black kid sitting next to me or a brown kid. I was taught by my parents, if you fail, it's on you, buddy. You're the one that brought it on. You didn't study hard enough. You didn't work hard enough. There was no white privilege there. This is all crap. But it's being taught in our schools. It's being taught in our schools. And here comes the big word that is being used by the left. Obama kicked it off. The teachers of America and the National Education Association haven't been teachers for a long time. They are change agents. White privilege conferences are about creating change. Whites need to acknowledge and work through the negative historical implications of whiteness and create for ourselves a transformed identity as white people committed to equality and social change. Social change. To teach my white students and my own children that there are different ways of being white. 
and that they have a choice as white people to become champions of justice and social healing. That was a words out of the mouth of a left-wing liberal socialist Marxist puking his socialist pablum, Mr. Gary Howard. He goes on to say, the most powerful message that continues to reverberate through my head and heart is that of looking at the future and eliminating systems of oppression through the lens of possibility and hope. Really? God, you're such a hero. But you know, a part of the communist academic movement in our school system in America is establishing an action project for dumbed-down youth of America and eventually Europe. Now, there are youth action programs tied in with this white privilege curriculum. And what is a a youth action program? A team of experienced facilitators provide a safe and challenging space geared toward all youth, ethnic backgrounds, etc., who are committed to understanding and dismantling white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. Are you getting sick and tired of hearing this crap yet? White supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. White people have always been the ones who oppress people. White people have always been the ones who have set up in their ivory towers and their supreme beings looking down on the rest of the world. Although we are in the minority as a race of people when it comes to the world population, we're the ones that run the show, right? As a white person, do you think for one damn minute I would walk through the ghetto at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night? No, I would not. But I flat guarantee you, as a black person, you can walk through my neighborhood at any time of the night and nothing will be said to you. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, I have to ask you this. What do you think the intended outcomes of all these youth white action projects, what do you think they are? And they're being used and, and spread all over the United States. Here's some of the things that they say will be the outcome of these youth action projects. Students will see and be fully aware of the multiple manifestations of white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. Students will have the courage and the confidence to name white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. Students will act by taking effective, creative, and urgent uh, measures to dismantle white supremacy, white privilege, and white forms of oppression. Students will proceed as leaders planning outgoing siege of change. There you get how it says. Take all of that, condense it down into one word. Communism. Whether it be here in the United States, or here in America, or here in Europe, or in Europe. You know, today that curriculum, white privilege, has been expanded and is taught to our children, white children, more or less admonishing whites for the communist by the the communist left who has generated this so called white privilege and presented it as fact in academia, in our schools, in our high schools, our colleges. Now there's an open letter from a male, white privileged male, and he says there is a phrase that floats around college campuses. Princeton being no exception that threatens to strike down opinions without regard for their merits, but rather solely on the basis of the person that voiced them. Check your privilege, the saying goes. And I have been reprimanded by it several times this year. The phrase handed down by my moral superiors descends recklessly like an Obama-sanctioned drone and aims laser-like at my pinkish peach complexion, my maleness, and the nerve. You know, the nerve of these folks to even, to even push this, 
but they know they have an opening. They know they have an opening. They know our students, our young people, are dumber now. They know that they have been swayed. They know that they can teach them whatever they want, and these young folks are buying, not all of them, just like this young man. The phrase handed down by my moral superiors descends recklessly like an Obama-sanctioned drone and aims laser-like at my pinkish-peach complexion, my maleness, and the nerve I displayed in offering an opinion rooted in a personal, I guess a personal uh, experiences, is what he's basing this open letter on. Check your privilege. They tell me in a command that teeters between an imposition to actually explore how I got where I am and a reminder that I ought to feel personally apologetic because white males seem to pull most of the strings in the world. I do not accuse them or those who check me and my perspective of overt racism Although the phrase which assumes that simply because I belong to a certain ethnic group, I should be judged collectively with it, toes that line. But I do condemn them for diminishing everything I have personally accomplished, all the hard work I have done in my life, and for ascribing all the fruit I reap not to the seeds I sow, but to some invisible patron saint of white maleness who places it out there for me before I can, before I even arrive. Furthermore, I condemn them for casting the equal protection clause, indeed the very idea of meritocracy as a myth and for declaring that we are all governed by invisible forces. Some would call them stigmas or societal norms. That our nation runs on racist and sexist conspiracies. Forget. You didn't build that. Check your privilege and realize that nothing you have accomplished is real. But they can't be telling me that everything I've done with my life can be credited to the racist patriarchy holding my hand throughout my years of education and eventually guiding me into Princeton. Even that is too extreme. So to find out what they are saying, I decided to take their advice. I actually went and checked the origins of my privileged existence to empathize with those who underdog stories I can possibly comprehend. I have unearthed, I have unearthed some comprehended values that I was taught. I have unearthed some examples of the privilege with which my family was blessed. And now I think I better understand those who assure me that skin color allowed my family and I to flourish today. He goes on to talk about his family. And he says, perhaps it's the privilege my grandmother and grandfather and his brother had to flee their home as teenagers when the Nazis invaded Poland, leaving their mother and five younger siblings behind, running and running until they reached a displaced persons camp in Siberia, where they would do years of hard labor in the bitter cold until World War II ended. Maybe it was a privilege my grandfather had of taking on the local rabbi's work in the DP camp, telling him that the spiritual leader shouldn't do hard work, but should save his energy to pass Jewish tradition along to those who might survive. Perhaps it was a privilege my great-grandmother and those five great-aunts and uncles I never had a, a, a chance to know of being shot in the open grave outside their hometown. Maybe that's my privilege. Or maybe it's a privilege my grandmother had of spending weeks upon weeks on a death march to Polish forests in sub-zero temperatures, one of which just a handful survived, only to be put in Bergen-Belsen concentration camp, where she would have died but for the Allied forces, who liberated her and helped her regain her health when her weight dwindled to barely 80 pounds. Perhaps my privilege is that those two resilient individuals came to America with no money and no English, obtained citizenship, learned the language, and met each other. That my grandfather started a humble wicker basket business, 
with nothing but long hours and ideas and an ironed will. To paraphrase the man I never met, I escaped Hitler. Some business troubles are going to ruin me. Maybe my privilege is that worked hard enough to raise four children and to send them to Jewish day school and eventually city college. Perhaps it was my privilege that my own father worked hard enough in city college to earn a spot at a top graduate school, got a good job, and for 25 years got up well before the crack of dawn, sacrificing precious time he wanted to spend with those who valued most, his wife and kids, to earn that living. I can say with certainty there was no legacy involved in any of his accomplishments. The wicker business just isn't that influential. Now, would you say this, that we have been really privileged? That's our success? Has been gift-wrapped? That's the, that's the problem with calling someone out for the privilege, which you assume has defined their narrative. You don't know what their struggles have been, what they may have gone through to be where they are. Assuming they care, they benefited from power systems or other conspiratorial imagery institutions denies them credit for all they've done, things on which you may not even conceive. You don't know who whose father died defending your freedom. You don't know whose mother escaped oppression. You don't know who conquered the demons or maybe still conquer, uh, conquering them now. The truth is, though that I have been exceptionally privileged in my life, albeit in the way any detractors would have it, it has been my distant privilege that my grandparents came to America. First, that there was a place at all that they would that would take them from the ruins of Europe. And second, that such a place was one where they could legally earn, enter the country, learn the language, English, and acclimatate to a society that ultimately allowed them to flourish. It was their privilege to come to a country that grants equal protection under the law to its citizens regardless of faith, color, or creed, that cares not about religion or race, but to the content of your character. Ladies and gentlemen, this man lays it all out. A lot of what he said applies to me as an American born and raised here in a poor family that had nothing. There was no privilege for me. There was none. There was no privilege for the black kid that sat next to me in grade school or high school or I played basketball with or football with or baseball. There was no privilege anymore for him than me. But the left would want you to believe that white people have privilege based on their skin alone. That we accumulated this privilege to a point where no one else in the world can even touch it. It's ours and nobody else's. And by God, we're going to tell you so. No, ladies and gentlemen, this is all a tool of the left. With racism hanging off all sides of that tool. Used to brainwash our children. Both here in America and eventually in Europe. I say to you European folks that are white, you countries were built on white people's ideas, white people's blood, sweat, and tears. Your great-grandfathers and grandmothers, your ancestors way back. It was all white countries. You had no privilege. You built them. Just as here in America, there's no privilege here when it comes right down to it. You either get out there and do it, or you fail. Period. This is Gary Gatehouse. With the Gary Gatehouse Show Wednesday, January. Great month of January. Until Friday, I said all I'm going to say today. Until Friday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying good day.